0: hello and welcome back to the rewind i'm josh and this is a podcast where i watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends today's episode is about spider-man into the spider-verse and i'm happy to be joined once again by my friend maya who was last with me on the a born podcast maya what's up
1: Hey, everybody. Uh, Nothing much. I saw Spider-Man yesterday, so I'm ready to talk about how much I loved this movie.
0: Yeah, one of these days maybe we'll just have you on for a movie that you absolutely hate, but it hasn't happened yet, I guess. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is the new animated Spider-Man movie that is directed by three dudes named bob Persichetti, peter ramsey and rodney rothman but more notably produced by phil lord and chris miller of lego movie and Twenty One, Twenty Two jump street fame it was co-written by phil lord and the uh, rodney rothman and it actually focuses on a different spider-man from the one we've con- grown across accustomed to seeing depicted on the on the big screen uh, peter parker though peter parker multiple peter parkers are still uh present in this film it focuses instead on miles morales who is another spider-man character that's been a part of the comics for some time but this is the first time he's been depicted on the big screen it, it, and the movie does poke a lot of fun of the fact that like a lot of these different spider-man movies have given us a lot of different reboots but this is a miles morales origin story but at the same time it's Doing a lot of other things as he is a kid growing up in Brooklyn. He is adjusting to a new school. Big surprise, gets bitten by a radioactive spider. And at the same time, the villain, uh, Kingpin, who you might be familiar with if you, most recently if you watched the Daredevil Netflix series, he is trying to open up a void in the space-time continuum and that lets in a bunch of other different kind of Spider-Man that we will talk about. Maya, what were were just your general feelings coming into it and how did the movie meet your expectations?
1: Well, so first off, I want to start by saying that people kind of gloss over the fact that Phil Lord also did *Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs*, which is one of my favorite animated movies of all time. Really? I'm aware, and, and I, I just I, wanted to put that out there.
0: No, I, I've seen it. I'm more—I'm a bigger—I'm a much bigger Lego movie fan. But *Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs* is so.
1: Oh, as as everybody is, but any single time you could get Bill Hader to do anything. Like voice acting, I'm so in. And so Anna I Ferris who we were just talking different. about
0: before we started recording.
1: Yes, it's true. It's true. I forgot. So I just want to point that out there. Um, mm-hmm. And second thing I want to point out. Um, well, first thing I noticed about this movie is like the directoral kind of acumen. You know, it's kind of like you take, take a Marvel movie and you sort of throw um, Scott Pilgrim versus the World together, and two of these guys had never directed a movie before. Yeah, pretty impressive. Um, it. It was a really impressive feat in directing. And, and I think that, you know, just to kind of point out that um, the first thing you did was point out the director. I think that was a really good way of doing that because, you know, now these people are going to go down in history. as not only directing one of the greatest animated films of all time, but I think the best superhero movie of all time. Whoa, I say. whoa dare I say. Jeez, okay.
0: So I, I, I like I, 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 Okay, I, I, and you just threw out a very big proclamation. Uh, what was like the one big takeaway from this movie that you came away most impressed with that did make it stand apart from other superhero movies for you? Aside from just the animation in general, because that's obviously a pretty big distinguishing factor.
1: Well, I like any single time you have a parallel universe. I'm a very big fan of Back to the Future. I like uh, those flicks that sort of play with reality in a way. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they kind of Took you know a, a very natural Spider-Man concept where you have you know Spider-Man saves the day you know destroys the bad guys. This movie was really introspective with itself, kind of like p- poking fun at not only comic books as a whole, but the same way that Deadpool did. They kind of broke the fourth wall. So I like that this movie not only did that multiple times and was very aware of itself, but you still have like. These amazing alternate Spider-Man characters. That I just want a movie for each of them. I mean, you got Spider-Ham, voiced by John Mulaney. I I, think I don't I'm know just if I could take a Spider-Ham movie. No, a, a
0: Spider-Ham movie would be awesome. I locked.
1: want it so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I want it so bad. John Mullaney. I've I've seen Oh Hello live. I mean, I I love this guy. And the second that spider-man came on screen all of a sudden i hear his like illustriously comical voice come out i started cracking up louder than anybody else in that audience and i totally embarrassed myself so just like the the casting alone by the way if you know voice actors you you can recognize immediately that nick cage is in the movie katherine hahn um and and i think that just playing with that a plus casting, along with the um, aware of itself characters, aware of itself, you know, concept of the film. You you have yourself a really intensely deep movie, and it's an animated flick that the kids are just noticing Spider Man. Like that's all they care about. They care about a Spider Man that they can relate to. They care about a Spider Man that's closer to their age than it is to um, any of the other movies. Um, even though I, I'm a very, very big fan of, of Tom Spider-Man, um, in this day and age, I, I don't know. I just, I just think that every single thing that they sort of threw at us was very risky, similar to the way that, uh, Deadpool was when it first came out and they just, they just hit it out of the park.
0: Yeah. I think visually it was, uh, pretty risky and obviously very unique but what it, aside from that i think people were pretty excited when homecoming came out because they were just excited to have like a a spider-man that looked like a kid like a lot of the or like a, a younger a younger a young person like the a lot of the comics focus on as opposed to like 32 year old andrew garfield p- pretending to be a high schooler um and so people right
1: which p- was disturbing in and of itself but right, it was so, a good movie i did like the amazing spider-man
0: i didn't see the second one. The first one was fine i just heard the second one was bad and i never got motivated to go to it um, I, i'm sure i'll get to it at some point but i think people thought it was a breath of fresh air last year and here it's it, it even takes it back another couple steps cause i think miles is only supposed to be like 14 or 13 and
1: oh yeah he's clearly in his freshman year of high school something like that because it doesn't uh gwen stacy make a comment that she's 16 If I remember, Uh, she's a little bit older.
0: Maybe. I've just seen it referred to in a couple other places that he's like 14, which would make sense if he's a freshman in high school and that he's going to like a new school, I guess, where people um, have to like sleep over and stuff like that during the week. But, uh, I mean, you just get a pretty good sense of who this person is as a kid. It feels fresh because uh, even for people that – I mean, especially I guess for people that haven't read the comics just because you've seen the same origin story so many times with uh, Peter and Aunt May and No More Uncle Ben, wah, 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 and – here it's like it's a, it's a different kind of setting with a the family they're in brooklyn they're in, uh not queens and he it, just from the very start with where you follow miles around the neighborhood it's like it feels like a very different kind of lived-in world and so even if you are watching another origin story which the movie does poke fun at the fact that they have done that a lot uh it, yes. it's, it's fun just to get to hang out with this kid who who does feel different from other like the peter parker's we have we have seen before and, and even I mean I guess the timeline is a little more condensed maybe than some of the others in certain ways. As he – when he first gets bitten by the spider, it um, it's, it seems like a different kind of spider I guess. Um, I don't know, but it's, well, it, gives it was different Well, generated
1: by that company also. It's right. very much something that could have been intentionally done. You had the 42 on it. I remember there was a significance, but it's not coming to mind right now. Um, it had the company name on it. So it's very similar to the other stories and the other um, ways that they did it, where you have a class trip and they're going to visit the science facility and Peter Parker being, you know, the, um, the science inclined child. Yeah, here's a poster class of trip. They're
0: watching like a documentary about the place.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, so at the same time, you still have that sort of the the parallel narratives, and they even talk about it in the movie. With each of the versions of Spider Man from the alternate universes, they all talk about their own origin stories. It's done in a very, um, you know, again aware of itself way. You have a comic book flying across the screen, centering itself and saying, "Here is my origin story. I started off here. I lost this person." So it's it's of course making it very obvious that um, comic books as a whole, which I grew up reading. Um, Each character needs to have a platform in which to have their um, desire to save the world or the desire to seek retribution. And, you know, Miles Morales is originally starts off with, I I love Spider-Man. Like, I want to be like Spider-Man. I want to be like my Uncle Aaron. Who we'll we'll talk about him later, but um, but then when all of that is kind of taken away from him, he sort of realizes, okay, well, I can't just do this because I want to. I need to have some sort of passion for this. I need to have some sort of drive in order to be successful. Because otherwise, I'm just going to be a weird kid you know, whose hands sticks like to any shit. Other... Yeah, like any other. Yeah, let's not even talk about the the kind of metaphor there. That was a little bit <laughs> obvious.
0: Hey, you're you're the one with your mind in the gutter. Um, yeah, but but but, but but yeah. So he has to um, he has he definitely like has to go through that kind of discovery on his own of like figuring out exactly like how he's gonna do it. And I I, I would say he's he's a little frustrated like having to go to that school, but he is not like. Um, it's not like totally messed up as a kid. He seems like he has the normal conflicts with his parents that he normally has, but he certainly has to like come to grips with exactly what he's going to do with it once he gets bit. Like, yeah, he likes Spider Man, but he didn't exactly like. As soon as he found out that like that he was having those issues, he was not like I'm going to go be a superhero today. Like that wasn't where his mind went, and the movie certainly uh, does a good job of just kind of showing that progression of going from man, like I'm climbing on walls. What am I doing to him actually coming to the realization of here's how I need to best use these powers.
1: Right. And I, and I think that, you know, having Miles Morales pretty much be a foil character for Peter Parker in so many ways. Like, he, he has hurdles that he needs to overcome. He thinks that he's only at that school because he won a lottery, not that he has the, the talent and the skill himself. Right. Versus Peter Parker, who that kind of, um, you know, schooling comes very um, easily for him. It's making friends and being sociable. That's a little bit... Parker and miles has the opposite problem um but they all end up collaborating even even if it is peter b parker in an alternate timeline they end up collaborating over their sort of shared internal drive for something that's all fueled by their origin story which you know it kind of bears the question do you need an origin story in order to be successful do you need an origin story in order to be a superhero truthfully you know in this we don't honestly believe that in reality but in uh you you love a good origin story no matter which way you cut it and versus making the entire movie the origin story they kind of threw it at you without you expecting it
0: well also this i guess that's the thing it's like all those other spider-men that we do meet like they are they are driven by something that happened and just something deep and dark that happened to them in the past and there is that scene where they all kind of go through it and uh Miles hasn't really had that I mean the 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 stuff with Uncle Aaron that happens uh, a little later on and there's a whole other Brad. aspect of that that makes it different from the rest of those other losses that those people have suffered so not that he's like oh my god I need someone to to die so i can uh fully harness my powers but he certainly doesn't have that same drive and it's and so he has to like find some other way to really kind of find that find that passion or that internal motivation that uh obviously has led all the other ones to be able to fully harness their powers or or just uh be or just uh simply be driven by rage like spider noir and sadness and uh, for all the terrible things he's done (laughs)
1: By the way, A-plus casting with Nicolas Cage, I mean, you think of this guy as this big A-list actor, and this is the second time he's actually played a superhero that is a sideline character that has a really dark disposition and just steals the show in a way. Right, are you referring I to mean, I mean, if you've seen Kick-Ass, I'm referring to, to kick yeah. yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't
0: know why I would say Superbad. Yeah, but yeah, he's, yeah, he's great in Kick-Ass.
1: It, it, it's just I, I love Nicolas Cage, but like you know, obviously he had that very very failed Ghost Rider DC comic you know superhero run, but um you know in in terms of the way that this movie kind of fits into the Marvel universe, obviously it's sort of be, being a Sony and Marvel flick. You have the ability to play with both of these, um you know franchises without sort of um doing it a disservice. So you have like the whole finger gun scene where they're talking about Peter Parker's past and his origin story. And then you, at the same time have, um, you know, have characters that you've seen in other Marvel films. Like you have Doc Ock, who is now a female played by Catherine Hahn, who I will see every single thing that she ever has to be. And I love her so much. You have Wilson Fisk, who, as you mentioned, was most recently seen in um, the Netflix Marvel, um, Defenders, and Daredevil series. Right. Um, and then you have characters like Aunt May, which are Aunt May, and Mary Jane, which are throughout all the flicks. But a lot of people, you know, Uncle Aaron seem and Miles Morales seem to come from you know nowhere, unless you have read the comic books. And even in the comic books, it's not obviously a major focal character. It's sort of like a sideline series because you're focusing on Peter Parker and Mary Jane for the most part. When Stacy was you know a, kind of blip they ended up putting her in the movies a little bit more but but uncle Aaron actually it's the second time he's been in a movie
0: did you know that uh no where, where, where else oh yeah 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 so isn't he actually uh unnamed in homecoming but he is donald glover in homecoming
1: he was actually played by god it's going to escape me oh, okay. um no, I child not you know yeah donald no, glover. No, no, child- Donald Glover, yeah, 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 yeah. So, because so. there was such a huge campaign to get him to play Peter Parker that instead they had him, you know, play Aaron Davis, at, in that little blip,
0: blip, oh, and you miss it.
1: But he mentions his nephew Miles.
0: Oh, he does.
1: That is like the one reference in. Oh. Actual like oh. live action cinematic universe to Miles Morales. Yeah, I mean, I, I, hadn't but, seen
0: I hadn't seen Homecoming in a while. I forgot that that was actually like said in the movie. I, I'd i seen the Donald Glover yeah. thing somewhere, but yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, like, but and, he, and he's not portrayed as like no some big. He case. is kind of
0: hanging out with the villains in Homecoming, but he's not like, yeah, he's not like he is here. So it's a little uh that that's a hard connection to catch.
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's a very tough connection to catch. Um, and there's so many multiple reasons why it makes sense that Donald Glover, you know, is, is there in the first place. Um, obviously, like I said, he was a favorite to play, uh, Peter Parker in the, the new series, but um, there's another connection there, I can't remember it anyway, not important. Um, yeah, but a cool piece you of have, trivia. yeah, I, I'm the trivia girl, I hmm. guess. <laughs> But but you have this like really complex character in Aaron who you automatically know that when your father is a police officer and he's telling you, don't trust this person, probably good to listen to him.
0: Yeah, but he's so cool when he likes to do graffiti.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, I have a question for you. Yeah. So Jeff- So Miles' father's name is Jefferson Davis. Right. Why is Miles' name not Miles Davis?
0: And and then his and, but his mom's last name is Morales. I mean, I,
1: yeah, his mom's Rio Morales. But you know more about comics I, than me.
0: I figured I, I was I was gonna ask, I would have asked you that question myself. I, I, mean, I mean, I guess
1: I don't know because it's, it's
0: not even like oh the mom and dad aren't married but they had a kid because he has the same last name as the mom, not the dad. That's usually still the kid usually still has the same last name as the dad.
1: Yeah, exactly. It, it's it's interesting. It's kind of it's kind of playing with things a little bit, but. I don't know. I need to look this up. I don't know the answer to it. Whenever I find it, I'll let you know, and you could I should say that is, inform uh, other people.
0: Yeah, funny <laughs> that you mentioned. We mentioned Donald Glover. We should say that Jefferson Davis is voiced by Brian Tyree Henry, who is on Atlanta with Donald Glover. He. Mo- yeah most recently see him in widows uh, one of the best movies of the year so far and he is in beale street can talk so he's having uh brian tyree henry having quite the moment uh as is marshall ali though his big moment came a couple years ago when he got his oscar nomination for moonlight and he is the voice of uncle aaron who and he's probably gonna get an oscar nomination for green book so uh this is we didn't even talk about those two dudes when we already ran through this loaded voice cast so it's uh Again, it, I think it helps just like make all of these characters feel um, feel real and human, and have you invested in them because they are voiced by such talented actors uh, who do a pretty good job.
1: Absolutely, I mean the the entire cast. You could have had a movie that didn't have an A list cast, and you still would have a very enjoyable. But um, but just the the fact that they ended up kind of diversifying the way that they're. Um, they're doing a Spider-Man movie. They're diversifying the way they're doing um, you know, their cast. And you also have Shameik Moore who's in The Get Down, which okay. is – if you haven't seen it, you should see it.
0: Didn't it get canceled um, after like it, one season because it was like a big expensive cost yeah, for Netflix? I, I've, I've seen him it, in Dope. He's in a Dope.
1: Mistake. He's in Dope also. It was a mistake. The Get Down is really, really good movie. Okay. Um, And and, and I know that there have, there's an ability to make this movie kind of spin off into – other flicks they kind of hint at it at the end as well um i actually didn't see the um the alternate the the, the what's the word i'm looking for the after credit scene oh. um i was too emotionally um uh, charged after their <laughs> um their their memorial little what's the word i'm looking for
0: reunion
1: the, the, no oh I, the Stanley thing. The Stan you, tribute, you can edit tribute, this out. yeah yeah, the tribute, the tribute at the end to Steve Ditko and to oh, it, it was just a very Stanley being in that movie had me in tears.
0: Oh yeah, there was, um, there, was there was a I, nice little Stanley uh cameo in this one.
1: Yeah 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 and and obviously you know there's gonna be like a spinoff at the end but i was i thought that that was it i thought that there was no way that they could add something after that so we left
0: oh <laughs>
1: i didn't even know there was yeah no after- I, kind of I mean
0: I, I thought ahead and i like kind of googled it in my um i googled it in my phone so i i, yeah, I, I knew it, but like actually, i was like that is weird out. that they wouldn't just do the stanley thing last uh but i guess they want people to stay for all the credits yeah and, everyone gets their names yeah
1: they should they should do stanley last but they didn't and so i thought okay well of course this is the way they're gonna end it. i'm like ah oh, i'm so dumb how many marvel movies have i seen that i should have known this and i didn't they left but um but obviously like you know spoiler alert there's definitely going to be a sequel here yeah and i, and I heard there's also going to be there, of, a
0: gwen stacy movie too or-
1: yeah and p- part of me wants them to make it like a hybrid live action cartoon version but It's what they did with the special effects can only have been done in an animated flick. And I think that is one of the reasons why they made that determination. But I, I mean, I really want to see this happen live at least for maybe a blip as a joke, because you have such an amazing cast that has such a screen presence
0: you, 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 just, you just said that this is the, the best all- superhero movie of all time and now you want to change one of the biggest is, things about it for the know, sequel and make it part I live know. action like what is, what do you mean
1: oh, well the point that i'm trying to say is you know you have parallel universes going on maybe one of the parallel universes is that everyone's live action i'm just saying
0: oh well yeah i'm like, sure that, I'm sure they'd have the, – the, I mean they definitely have the technical capability to do that, but uh, I, I want to get. – we'll get back to the plot in a minute. But since we're talking about the way the movie looks, I'm curious what what your impressions were when you were watching it because it's funny. I've done a lot of these podcasts in the last year talking about animated movies, and, we, I, and I just did Wreck-It Ralph 2 or Ralph Breaks the Internet a couple weeks ago. And we talked. I talked with my guests on that one about just how, just the way it depicted the internet was kind of a different thing, where they're pushing the boundaries of animation and doing something different that we hadn't seen before. But I had said the same thing when I talked the year before about Coco, and Coco like really utilized the its animators pretty well, and it was pretty incredible just to see everything that movie accomplished visually with that, just with how it depicted the. Um, the land of the dead, or whatever it's called, I'm, I can't remember. And but like th- this is just very, wholly unique in anything I've ever seen before in animation. The way it. Um uh, just the, the the way that I, I think they slowed the frame rate a little bit from what I understand, and that made it uh, have a little bit more of a comic-y kind of feel. As opposed, and also some of the, yeah. just the, the harder lines that they drew uh, w- with the with the characters. It and but at the same time, it still really felt like a pretty good depiction of New York for an animated movie. Uh, what as someone who, as I just learned before we started recording, does really care about animation. What was what was your impression of the movie visually? Even if you do want to cut it uh frankenstein it and make it a half live action thing going forward
1: i half is half is a strong word okay um a blip maybe okay. a blip like, well. like like a lego but movie I, type thing yes 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 i thought i thought that the way that they did it with the lego movie was just stupendous and that i mean you have the lord you never know maybe it can happen But I I think the first thing that comes to mind is, number one, the direction is amazing in this movie. And it can only be directed by somebody who's able to see an animated movie Sort of like in a storyboard way. How do you depict these, um, you know, inside jokes of comic book fans and people who like video games as a whole, also, to sort of make the flick seem a little bit more approachable? And then how do you have the, um, you know, the animation done in a way where it's not fully animated? There's definitely, um, you know, uh, a point where you can recognize that this is like I'm reading a comic book. It, you kind of want to put yourself transfixed into their universe in a way and they did an amazing job with that you 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 mentioned it before that they kind of slowed down the frame rate to make it seem a little bit more flat in a way but but the colors they still just, 3D everything but I mean, that, they
0: did like you, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And, and there are actually certain moments where um when you kind of pull into a fast sequence that I sort of thought that maybe i'm missing some 3d glasses there. yeah
0: that was a little yeah. disorienting i guess there, that, that was obviously purposeful but i had i had the very same thought i'm like i because i've actually had that mistake before where i, I went to, where i go to the movie theaters and I, lo, I don't like going to 3d movies but i like going in imax and there have been a couple times before where right. like fandango confused me and i thought i was going to like a regular imax but it was actually a 3d showing and i'm like shoot did i just do that same thing and, but then I turned around in my seat, and I looked, and the rest of my audience did not have 3D glasses on. I'm like, all right, this is the choice. It's interesting, and I just got to go with it.
1: Right, exactly. And I think that in, in this case, the reason why the animation works as well as it does is not only do you have, like, the striking colors um, that sort of pull you into a nostalgic feeling of reading a comic book, um, you have a lot of the elements of, like I said before, comic books, um, like like text boxes picked. Picking up throughout the film um, of the internal monologue of the characters, and then in addition to that, you have three other characters who have a completely different visual style and animation style that somehow completely fit into the universe. You have one that's more anime, you have obviously one that's more noir. I think Sin City, Mm -hmm. Um, and then you have whatever Spider Ham (laughs) is. Spider Ham, (laughs) it's really just I. I, I think that the, the the genius behind it can only be done by somebody who who directed this movie that works in animation. You don't have a normal director, and, and that's why it works for these first time directors. Because if you look at their history, all they've been doing throughout the years is storyboard animations for Disney, storyboard animations for um, DreamWorks, for Pixar, and it's because they have the ability to sort of take apart a movie and say, okay what our audience is going to react to visually, but what are children going to react to visually as well? Like video game techniques, animation techniques, 3D techniques, um, you know, more of a old school Disney cartoon animation. You kind of had that all, you know, come into one piece. That is this movie. You don't have just one style there. And that's what makes it brilliant. It's that the fact that you're, alluding to different styles of animation you're alluding to different styles of film as a whole and you're just making it a really complex piece but at the end of the day it's an animated flick and and I think that there's only like a certain level of um, genius and understanding of film that can really um, pull together what they ended up doing
0: here. yeah well also they yes it's very cool how they went in styles but also just it felt very uh, it did feel very fresh like I, I like most Pixar movies but at the same time I you can kind of tell when you're looking at a person that is, uh, that's been animated by Pixar that it's a Pixar movie and here like when you especially I, I kind of saw when I looked at just the Peter B Parker's face like I thought it was like man this is like the, like probably some of the most human animation i would ever seen and at least someone like me that who has done a lot better job of watching and appreciating animated movies the last few years but for a while had just kind of written them off as kids things and thought I couldn't really derive a lot of human emotion out of them like just looking at Peter Parker's face when he does seem pretty broken a lot of the times it just it looked almost like it was like the closest thing i think you could get to live action without being live action for me uh and i i I really appreciated it and it 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 really helped me connect more but at the same time it you the movie's not limited by live action standards and the fact that it is animated allows you to do like a lot of different cool things
1: well i really want to know also if they ended up getting their voice actors or at least some other actors to sort of stylize what's happening on screen and they animate over it or if it was just straight animation i don't know um because it's a sony animation no, film, i don't I don't, think I, it's,
0: I don't think it's motion capture i watched a video on um on youtube that showed like actual footage of them recording their lines and stuff like that and it was just kind of like regular how you would envision someone saying the lines in an animated movie they weren't wearing mocap suits or anything like that
1: well then, you know what? A plus job for them because it was just so so well done that I was actually thinking in my head like this: There's no chance that they are doing this. There's no chance that they're doing this in a way where you don't have an actual live person. Mapping this out for them, and then you have these scenes where it's absolutely impossible, unless you know you're just getting really creative with things. But well, yeah, so like we we, we kind of got away from amazing. talking about
0: the actual set Sorry, pieces yes. and scenes and stuff like that. No, I mean I, I really appreciate your insight into the animation. But the fir- the very first scene where uh, Miles and Peter B. Parker run into each other and he gets he gets dragged through New York City along a subway by Peter's web and has to carry him around. I mean that is just like a very cool visual thing that for an an animated movie to pull off that makes it feel very distinctly New York just by the way it's going through the city like that and I I don't know it's just like they they that was like that was the first of like a, a few really really cool well conceived set pieces and I'm like wow like this movie was like really well thought out because I thought it came together like rather quickly as a movie I felt like I heard about it for the first time less than a year ago so it's like man they really a lot of put as much thought into this as they maybe would for even just a live action Marvel Avengers movie or something like that.
1: Right, exactly. And they, they did definitely did put a lot of thought into the action sequences. And the action sequences, like I said, are are some of the best that I've ever seen in a movie. And it's almost a shame that you can't see like how I really am so excited for this to come out to, I'm going to use the word DVD, Um, Mm -hmm. so I can see these special features to see how they sort of map this out, because um, just the, the animation process is hard enough as it is. How do you kind of get into conceptualizing something that even looks realistic. It, it, there is a slight realism to it. It's not fully animated. And that's why, in my mind, I am thinking there has to be some form of, you know, mapping. There has to be some form of, you know, taking a, a live person and just sort of mapping over it. But then then you're right. There's these, um, you know, those sequences where the, they're with the collider and they're trying to, um, you know, get things out. And you have, like... The the Empire State Building coming after you and you and and they somehow sort of navigate that so effortlessly and so beautifully that it's just it's hard for me to sort of conceptualize making this movie um, without some framework
0: there yeah well I, and then
1: I, again I, i'm not a storyboard artist no no
0: <laughs> and I, I mean I, I i was just talking out of my butt right there where i said the thing about having first heard about the movie a year ago i'm reading looking at it now and i guess it had been in production with lord miller since late 2014 which would make sense since lego movie came out earlier that year that marvel would then mm-hmm. come to them with some kind of idea after they saw they could pull something like that off because lego movie is obviously very visually uh unique in its own way but i think a lot of the casting for the movie had just been done since 2017 and even earlier this year so they'd obviously been like planning a lot of this out for a really long time and it shows and it's also pretty good oh, timing th-
1: this came out during the the sony hack
0: yeah the yeah that, yeah that was yeah.
1: announced during that hack
0: yeah some of that was first came out at that point and but it's it's kind of funny that had been in that they'd been in talks with phil lord and uh chris miller for for that long and it's just coming out now at a time where i think they could really use a win given how their time working within the star wars universe came to a very. uh Unfortunate end. So, oh, yeah, good for them that like they got this big W uh, later that year, after late, l- later in the same year as Solo. And um, when a lot of people thought that Solo should have been released at this time of year anyway, and that might have been part of its problem at the box office. Um, but
1: yeah, so- oh, absolutely. why you, you have a win whenever you have a the Star Wars movie released in December. Why during the one year that you don't have a Star Wars movie released in December do you not release it in December?
0: Yeah, yeah, for some reason <laughs> do it in Memorial Day when more people are traveling and, like, uh. being, being outside than going to the movies, whereas here in this time of year it's uh, not not where, it's not cold where we live outside, and I'm always at the movies anyway, but more people are just going to the movies in uh, late December, I'd say, than they are Memorial Day weekend. But, yeah, so I, but, well, yeah, we mentioned that scene right there where he, like, just first meets Peter, I, I, and I really didn't even ask you yet, like, what did you think about the old Peter Parkers? I mean, we first get the, the Chris Pine one who's in Miles' timeline that, that uh he he dies and uh but then you obviously get peter b parker who's the old one with the dad bod how did you think about how knowing what you know about peter parker someone who's actually read these comics before not just someone like me that's seen the movies and has an insight as to like what peter parker probably should be in a version that is at least visually really adhering to the comics if not in other ways like how did you think the movie uh utilized him as the beat down late in life mentor peter parker
1: well so my my first thought process when seeing Chris Pine Peter Parker also was just blonde Peter Parker. Yeah that was kinda, on earth that, that was happening. All, that
0: was certainly off putting.
1: That it definitely it was off putting was just the disorienting and then you have um you know very clearly and I, I pay attention to the voices it's very clearly somebody who now you have your what is it like fourth or fifth Chris um as a leading man in a Marvel movie. Oh yeah he um, was the one Chris
0: that hadn't <laughs> been in the been in the Marvel universe. <laughs>
1: I know. And I'm like, okay, that's a nice way to put that together. Um, But he obviously has like a regal sense to him. Then you have, you know, him saying, I always get back up. I always get back up. And then Peter Parker dies at 26 years old. Then you have, um, you know, the, the scene where Miles meets Peter B. Parker um, he's visiting Peter Parker's grave, and then you have um, so, someone who's noticeably looking like regular Peter blond pa- blonde Peter Parker, I'm going to call him. Um, he's got scruffle on his face. He's got darker hair. He looks older. He looks weathered, and he calls himself Peter B. Parker mm-hmm. just to, to not only to add insult to injury. Now Peter Parker has a male name. But it's a distinguishing two characters. He has a different voice actor in Jake Johnson, who perfect casting for this role. Because if you've ever seen a girl, this is exactly the same character, but with a Spider-Man outfit. I mean, it, it was just amazingly done. And then so you have this interaction where he's like, I never want kids. I don't want to take care of a kid. But yet he's kind of effortlessly um, minus the dad bod undergoing these different feats of acrobatics just to show, like, this is indeed Spider-Man. This is Peter Parker. It may not be the Peter Parker that we know and love, and that might be a little bit heartbreaking for some of the younger kids who <laughs> grew up not only watching the animated Spider-Man movies, I mean, sorry, TV show, but not the movies and reading the comic books. This is not our Peter Parker. It is very obvious. He he becomes a version of it who um, he still tries, you know, to save the day at the end, but at the end of the day he's got to go because this is this is Miles's time. This is his origin, this is his protagonist role. He's not going to be secondary to Peter Parker. So you have this alternate character who is less than heroic in many senses of the of the, of the imagination just to kind of give a foil to Miles having his um I'm going to save the day. I'm going to you know, defeat the bad guy, I'm going to, you know, make sure that I am the, the superhero, but he still has a lot to learn from from his elder. He still has a lot to learn from um you know, the person who we know as Spider-Man to a sense. And I think that the, the way that they they play this is so nicely done because you have, you know, a lot of character growth in Peter B. Parker, you
0: have, um
1: he, he, in my opinion, he, he kind of, looks slimmer as the
0: movie continues i don't know if that was done
1: intentionally he's he's working his
0: way into shape
1: (laughs) yeah and he's definitely he's working up his courage he's got a lot of you know charisma to him especially in his interaction with mary jane but like it's it's definitely one of those unless you look really closely you can never tell that the two are um, Peter Parker and Peter P. Parker, the same character, obviously, I think he's six years old or something like that. It's six years into the future um, of what he has in his alternate timeline, but he's important enough as a, as a communal and global understanding of who Spider-Man is that you need to include him. It just, it can't be, the normal Peter Parker timeline because number one, they might eventually tie it into the regular Marvel universe. So it it has to sort of follow through that way. So he has to be older. He has to already have experienced his time as Spider-Man. And number two, it's not his movie at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, but he still gets his own arc, which is nice. I mean, it doesn't lose sight of the fact that it is Miles' movie and he has to really go on this journey. But at the same time, you do kind of buy that like Peter – would be is beaten down given what we're told about what's going on in his timeline is with both his uh his his financial troubles which they joke about but also his uh relationship with mary jane and then you see the you, you kind of see him being very indifferent towards miles at first and uh but you do kind of buy that like he would be uh he would be charmed by this kid and uh and and want to help him and uh, while well, well, not losing sight of the fact that he obviously wants to get back to his life because these uh sp- other spider-men and women can uh not survive in another dimension indefinitely or function completely in another dimension uh so there it makes sense that he would kind of get on board and not be so apathetic at, at a certain point he kind of at least wants to be part right. of that team even if as the as the movie does it i would say they're never they're they're really only a team at the end, but they're all they're all there and they're all they're they're always there for the fight in Aunt May's house and uh, then they have to have the, the serious talk with Miles saying, Well, may, hey, you he might just not be ready yet because he can't do any of his powers on command. What did you think of like the way the the way the rest of the Spider Men, like they obviously were pretty sympathetic towards him, but at the same time, like they kind of came to the realization that like he's not ready yet and i'd say the period of time between then and when he actually was ready was uh kind of short uh that you did have the nice scene with him and his dad what did you think about how like eventually after we had the really fun introduction with the whole team how they did end up kind of like having to i don't want to say look down upon peter but they had to like kind of be like sorry kid we got to go do our thing how did you think that whole portion of the movie was handled
1: well, I think it makes total sense that it was handled in the way that it was because these are all versions of the same character. They're all facets of the same allegory of Spider-Man. So they've been through what he's going through and they have a understanding of his timeline. Right. So they're not going to risk losing out on potentially them not getting back to their own universes slash Dying of a cellular degeneration, <laughs> Yikes. um, just be- yeah. I mean, they're not going to risk that. And you're thinking, I mean, I might be thinking a little bit too introspectively and giving these characters too much credit, but they they even were hoping for the best. Um, at, when they were at um, Miles's, you know, I'm going to say apartment, but it's the dorms more mm-hmm. like. Um, they, they were waiting outside to to see if maybe he was going to end up getting some sort of internal strength and they even make comments like, yeah, well, man, well, this is your origin story. And like, you just go from here. So they know they've been through it. I mean, some of these people have been doing this for, you know, several years at this point. Um, even Gwen Stacy, who's younger than everybody, she's, she has an understanding of what needs to, um, what needs to happen in order for him to be truly become Spider-Man so they're, they're going to give him his time. They're going to let him marinate with it, have him, you know, fully become the the partner that they need in order to solve this. Because truth be told, everything is sort of foreshadowed, um, you know, throughout the, the Spider-Man arcs and every single movie you've seen, every single TV show you've seen, like there's with great power comes great responsibility. They talk about it multiple times. So He needs to learn to be more responsible, to be more aware of what he has of himself. And once he comes to terms with who he is as a person and how he fits into everything, then he's able to say, "Okay, I am like I am who I am. I I need to get my get my shit together and um, help everybody out. But it it takes time to get there. It it takes time.
0: Well, well, at first I thought maybe – yeah, well, at first I thought maybe, well, maybe they didn't take enough time because it's kind of like his dad shows up and gives him the talk, and then all of a sudden he's ready to go, and all the problems he's been having the whole time are solved, and he's, like, totally badass. Uh, But at the same time, if they had just done, like, a really, like, corny – I don't want to say corny, but they had just done a a more traditional training sequence with Peter B. Parker teaching him how to do more things, that might have felt just kind of predictable. So you do have a very nice scene with – uh, his dad talking to him on the other side of the door that's framed pretty interestingly where they have, like, you can see him both at the same time, and you see how Peter's reacting to him, and reacting to him as much as he can when he is uh, tied up, thanks to Peter. But at the same time, like, you, you kind of get that, like, he's still a young kid in that moment, and obviously moments like that with his dad where his dad is having a heart to heart with him just about hey we've i know i've made mistakes and like i'm still there for you all that nice stuff like that would obviously have a pretty nice effect on a kid that's been going through a lot of stuff and
1: well uh, that in addition to what they've been saying throughout the movie it's you know spider man always gets back up like whenever he gets kicked down you got to get back up again and at that point miles is kicked down like he's not only kicked down he is tied to a chair with with web, mm-hmm. so his dad helps him get back up and sort of realize, you know, who he is, what he needs to do, what his responsibility is, and that's how he's sort of like that aha moment, that epiphany that he needs in order to have his, um, you know, rite of passage.
0: Yeah, what'd you think of uh, what'd you think of this version of Aunt May? I don't know if you're familiar with her at all from the comics, but he get, he goes back to the the shed slash uh, equipment whatever, you, equipment warehouse whatever you want to call it, and she is a much more active participant in uh in this universe and uh, is more in tune to everything that's going on. Voiced by Lily Tomlin, uh, I thought that I thought that was a pretty uh, a fun touch, just having her waiting for him when he got there.
1: Anne may is such a badass. I mean, it, it, it's not only that she was waiting for him, but she she didn't seem at all super surprised to see everybody. Um, well, minus seeing Peter B. Parker, because clearly it's there's a resemblance to her Peter Parker. But she she knew that they were going to come. She knew what needed to be done. She doesn't have any superpowers herself, but you know she might as well you know be be helping out the same way that you have every single. Major superhero, you have Spider-Man. Um, obviously, um, doesn't necessarily have anything in his origin, his real origin story, except for Uncle Ben dies, Aunt May. He has to take care of her. He falls in love and marries Mary Jane. But you have Batman and you have Superman. Both of them have these maternal figures that kind of just fall flat, and they make they sort of make fun of that when people are making commentary on the Batman versus Superman movie. But in this case, they're like, no, no, Aunt May needs to have some sort of credibility. Like, she's dealt with a lot. So you have her voice by A-plus, you know, strong female Lily Tomlin, who, you know, made the waves when she got started being a female comedian. She's now nominated also um, for a Golden Globe for Grace and Frankie, um, well, this film is also nominated for Golden Glover animated feature. And it just, it makes total sense that you would have someone who is, you know, a, um, a leader in, um, in kind of female-driven roles playing Aunt May. And while it might not be the same in the comic books, like Aunt May doesn't have any special powers or anything, it makes total sense that in this universe where you have people who are not necessarily the... Um, the archetypal superheroes or, um, you know, leaders in film becoming the leaders in film, a 14 year old kid from Brooklyn, like miles Morales is not, it's not going to always be the, um, the leading man. It makes sense to have, Aunt may have a greater role in this movie.
0: No, that's a good point. I, I like that. Cause I, I mean, uh, it, it... It this adds to just the breath of fresh air that this movie is compared to everything else because she is such an, unfortunately a passive participant that is there just to comfort Peter in a lot of these other movies and it was it was it was cool to see her do something to do something different and um, I, I think probably the coolest moment of the movie is like the the reveal of the new suit though
1: yeah oh my god yes absolutely I completely agree and, and going going on to this theme also you have Gwen Stacy who was very famously portrayed by Emma Stone who she fell flat. She didn't have any great role in the movie. They didn't even give her superpowers. And everybody knows, everybody who knows the comic books knows that Gwen Stacy is either Spider-Gwen or Spider-Woman. And how is it possible that you have, but how is it possible that you have this this great actress, now Oscar-winning actress, playing this role and you don't give her an arc
0: well you now you got don't my, give her this. well now you got my girl Haley steinfeld and they, they didn't waste her she was very good and also had a really cool suit
1: <laughs> exactly oh and her her suit is that is very true also to the comics um that's pretty an accurate, a pretty accurate representation of what she wears in the comics as well. But I, I'm just glad that they end up bringing all of this in. You know, for the for the comic book fans, they're they're hugely in love with this because there are some. I think Spider Man Noir is mentioned in the comic books, if I remember. They don't have a female Doc Ock. Um, that I think it's the daughter of um, of the original Doc Ock. I think potentially pay, play somebody, but it's more famously that the green goblin has um, a son and a daughter that are I'm trying to remember like what I know about the comics that are, do end up becoming the green goblin in the future, but they've never done that in my knowledge with, um, with Doc Ock.
0: I think it just goes to the overall like accomplishment of this movie that like you're going through all of these different characters that it somehow manages to hit and it's like it doesn't it doesn't feel too stuffed and it doesn't feel I mean I guess the whole thing is like a lot of fan service but at the same time it doesn't feel gratuitous in the way a lot of fan service could feel and it just get, it just utilizes all these actors the the right amount. Now, I don't disagree with you that I could watch a whole movie about some of these other people but at the same time uh it's quite ambitious to put all of these people in one It's not to say we should be surprised that it could be done because, like, hey, like we like all these other Marvel movies, like Captain America: Civil War and the Avengers movies that balance a lot of characters really well. But I mean, this is a pretty big swing given, like, that people are uh, probably a lot of people probably rolled their eyes when, like, they heard about this movie. They're like, "Haven't we already seen enough Spider Mans? We already got a new one that turned out well. Why are you making another one?" And uh, it's really ambitious to have all these different characters out there at once that a lot of people have a lot of history with from the comics and to pull it off as they did. I don't. It's I am just I'm just really happy they did and it's, it's such a fun movie to watch. Um,
1: I th- I think you described that better than I ever could. Maybe it's because it's Sunday and I haven't had enough
0: coffee, maybe not. I'm just (laughs) rambling, but, I mean, like, I I, I don't know. Like, if uh, it was a little overwhelming for me going into it, being as someone who doesn't read the comics and uh, wondering, like, man, are they going to throw all these characters out here? And am I going to need to, like, have to be as knowledgeable as uh, comic readers such as yourself to, like, even get it? And that wasn't the case because you can't make a movie just for the comic book readers. And uh, and I I guess that's what I was a little scared of. And that, that certainly wasn't it. Did you have any other thoughts on the just the the final uh, se- sequence involving the collider? Or we even, I guess we even we kind of skipped right over the getting to like him actually kind of getting the suit. I mean, we we skipped over like a lot of the Uncle Aaron stuff. I mean, we we talked about it a little bit earlier. Just I guess in regards to uh, his dad, a police officer, warning him about having that kind of influence in his life. And man, like, we, and like we also already said, like he's younger than other spider men So finding out that someone that you see as a bit of a hero is uh, not really that can be um, pretty crushing. Uh, how did you think the movie just handled the the reveal of who that character actually was?
1: Well, so I, I mean. I kind of spoiled myself in having the understanding that Uncle Aaron was going to end up being um, oh, the, right. the so bad you, guy. Oh, right.
0: So you knew about the Donald Glover Childish Gambino connection going in? So you well, kind of knew.
1: That, that I didn't know. That oh, I okay. didn't know was going to happen. I actually went into this movie not knowing anything about it. I, I sort of read up on it afterwards. But I, I think it's a little bit obvious where um, Uncle Aaron, who's taking his nephew, his 14 year old nephew to go do graffiti in an abandoned subway station. I think that it's kind of like a little bit understanding where he says, Hey, I'm going, I have to go quickly at like 11 o'clock at night. I have work to do <laughs> and I'm just not going to be available for the next couple of days. I'm like, okay, so he's, he's the bad guy. This right. just this is obvious.
0: And well, then so, he, and then he call he calls him later when he first finds out about like his spider powers. And he's like, I'm out of town for two days. That was what his voicemail said.
1: Yeah, exactly it's it's a little bit obvious like okay so not only is Miles going to get a crushing understanding that the um and I, I forgive me I don't remember what the um the villain's character's name is um but that he he's he's potentially trying to get murdered by Wilson Fisk whose lackey is his uncle finding that out is a little bit crushing and then having his uncle's boss shoot him in front of him is a little bit, you know, you you age very quickly after that happens. Right. But you have two, you know, jarring sequences happening in a in a teenager's life within a span of thirty seconds, <laughs> and I think that in of itself has you sort of, okay, my my rite of passage has been. You know, exponentially increased in time. I now am a man. I now understand what life and death and betrayal are, and I understand also how it. Um, you know, not all not all role models are exactly archetypal for me. But not only that gotta listen to my dad every once in a while my dad told me to stay away from him
0: right and it, it, it forces him to grow up quick if nothing else and like i said one of my earlier i was trying to question whether or not it was like the best route for the movie to have him all of a sudden to harness his power so quickly but when you think of it in terms of just all of these other characters had already been through so much and he hadn't really been through that much it kind of makes sense that this becoming a more mature person as hard as it might have been in the moment like would allow you to just like uh, have a little bit more perspective and control over your emotions, as opposed to just being like a an aimless teen going in several directions at once.
1: Uh, right, um, and seeing Uncle Aaron also express regret, you know, regretting not only that he put his nephew in that position, but that he is who he is. I think that also has some kind of come to terms with, you know, not everything is black and white, not everything is. Um, you know, villain versus superhero. And you do a really good job at that with Wilson Fisk. I mean, I don't know many people who wouldn't do what he did with the knowledge that he ended up having of how to potentially bring back his, um, you know, his dead wife and his dead son. I think that having that sort of understanding of, you know, someone who's supposed to be portrayed as a villain you, you can't necessarily hate them fully. And I think that a lot of movies and a lot of TV shows do a really good job of that in this day and age. It's not like, ah, ha, ha, I'm the bad guy and I want to, you know, wipe you off the face of this planet. It's There's, a, there's an origin story for them too. <laughs> and you have to understand that and respect that because otherwise you will never fully understand the character that you see as a protagonist and the character you see as the antagonist.
0: Right. And... In- while I guess like obviously like I said earlier this movie doesn't lose sight of the fact that Miles is his protagonist. It it does give Peter like his own full arc. Um and you see him kind of like well at the same time it does make sense that they don't want uh Miles to risk the rest of them not getting back. At the same time it does seem like for a minute there Peter has a bit of a death wish and he doesn't really like see the value anymore of going back. He real he thinks this is just a much better use of him. He doesn't have enough to go back to and He'll just kind of sacrifice himself. He has that one moment with uh, obviously not his Mary Jane but the Mary Jane from the present timeline uh, when they've snuck into the event that Fisk is holding for whatever reason he's holding an event for and he's pretending like he was a friend of Spider-Man. So he has like a moment there where he kind of has a realization when he sees Mary Jane like, hey, it's I, – I I need to own up to some of my mistakes but I, I don't know, what, what how did you feel about him being so ready, that at least that version of Peter, seemingly being ready to die until uh, Miles saves the day?
1: I mean, I think he, at the end of the day, is the superhero that we all know and love. How many times has he put himself in the face of danger with kind of certain death in order to save everybody else? I think it makes perfect sense that he needs to sort of reclaim that he's sort of fallen uh, he's, he's fallen very, very down. Um, he's, he's lost the love of his life. It's not, like I said, it's not the Peter Parker that we know. It's very much this this dark alternate universe, but at the same time, he's still Spider-Man. He still has the innate desire to save the day, no matter what it takes, no matter what it costs. And, at, and he still feels, you know, I don't have anything back at home and it really takes Gwen Stacy actually to say you do have you do have a future you do have um you know a chance don't lose sight of that but um you know Miles of course Miles is going to save the day at the end of the day this is Miles' story I'm we're gonna come back to that over and over and over again but it make it would make at in my mind for a darker film perfect sense that Peter Parker is the one who saves the day
0: yeah for sure do you have any other do you have, do you have is there any other big thing i haven't touched on because i feel like i've been a little all over the place this podcast because this movie throws so much at you both visually and story-wise it and all so that like, it, it is like it is sensory overload to a certain extent even more so than your average superhero movie i would say just because of all the different intro- interesting visual flourishes it does have as as well as all these characters is there is there anything else you did want to say that like you don't think we have touched on before uh we give any final thoughts
1: um i think that we, we i mean we can talk about as much as we want to in terms of like the character development i think that having um you know miles and his dad having that moment at the end where are sort of forging the bond between the um, vigilante and the the police force is always a very important thing to do in these kinds of movies but you still have the potential of, you know, they they referenced and they showed other villains. So you have that coming at you in the future, but it was really important that Miles and his dad had that moment um, at the end of the movie. And I think that it kind of offers... A male figure in a spider-man's life that you don't otherwise have in a spider-man movie so i'm really excited to see that i'm really excited to see that play
0: out yeah i'd say that was like it was nice that it didn't overdo it on his dad hunting him as spider-man you know what i mean like there's a version of the movie where it just goes all in on and it's understand like it goes all in on him trying to track him down and he says i need an app out on a spider a new spider-man and I wanna, it's just a storyline that I just don't have a ton of interest in watching anymore. Like when the police really mistakenly think the superhero is the bad guy, it just doesn't right. do a lot for and me they, at this
1: point. Right, and they curb that quickly. Yeah,
0: and like it just had the way they organized the story. It happened at a point where like we were close enough to the end that there wasn't going to be a whole ton of that. He has to quickly come to the realization that Fisk is the actual bad guy. So I appreciated that. Like it, I agree, it was a nice moment at the end. But I think I would have just been kind of exasperated by that if like they had just been him wrongly chasing the wrong bad guy the whole movie and i was so i was glad that wasn't the case and at the same time it's nice that his dad kind of has the realization that like hey like i don't have to have a totally antagonistic relationship with this with this superhero and so it's nice from on that from his end but at the same time it's nice that um after ignoring his dad and scaring him to death the whole movie miles at the same time realizes like hey this guy means m- means well and i need to also be there for him even if I'm not gonna tell him I'm Spider Man because that's uh might be an unrealistic step so soon,
1: right? And you have like three different references going at the same time to other Spider Man films. I mean, in this one, Miles doesn't seem to have any, um, you know, any romantic relationship with anybody. Gwen Stacy's in an alternate universe. Unless he can find Gwen Stacy in this universe, don't think it's gonna happen. But you know, Miles now has an ally in his father, who, like I said before. You haven't seen Spider-Man with a male figure at all. Only one that is literally like haunting him pretty much after death, saying with great power comes great responsibility. Now he has a role model. Now he has someone who he can sort of model himself after. But then you also have, um, and where was I going with this? Then you have at the end of the day, Miles comes back and his roommate now knows. His roommate knows who he is. Yeah, that, That's the whole thing it with the roommate time. was kind of funny. <laughs> It was, it was really great. And, like, the roommate is the comic book fan, which is ironic. So you pretty much have that kind of mimicking the, um, you know, the new Spider-Man um, movies where you have um, Tom Holland's Spider-Man having, a, like, kind of a pal, you know? So I think that potentially having Miles as this um, as a Spider-Man can kind of buy some time with a younger Spider-Man um, arc, which I think a lot of people really craved because that's how you do the animated series, um, you know, high school Spider-Man or college age Spider-Man. It's not somebody who's older, but you can kind of grow up Tom Holland in a way where he finishes his arc and you still have the longevity of um, an A plus Spider-Man flick where you're not conflicting in the Marvel universe at all. This this is canon. This is not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Everything ties in together. Everything checks out. You you don't have anything that's really well because, you know, out because of, of all the universes, sight. right? More. Exactly. Well, I, well, I mean, I I didn't sense. want
0: to get too technical with all the legal the legal mumbo jumbo between Sony and Disney and all of that stuff. So I didn't know if there was actually a clear answer to that. Uh, if you, I, I mean, but it makes total sense if you're telling me that it can be part of it because it did a pretty good job of just establishing all these different universes and how any anything can be anything and if it wants to fit in correct. with that it can
1: correct and, and that's really why that all works because you you want to make sure that you're playing nice at the end of the day even though this is a sony flick marvel now re-owns spider-man so you want to make sure it's playing with your, your bigger franchise, which it's still pumping out movies. You still have Spider-Man in the, the cinematic world. You don't want it to overlap at the same time. You want to make sure that you're drawing your delineation, that this is a Spider-Man movie. It is not the one that's live action. It is part of the same universe. It checks out all the fans out there and all the people who are paying attention can actually you know, say, okay, this makes sense. And it also does a good job of kind of setting itself a couple of years into the future. So that way, like even like Peter Parker, the, the first Peter Parker, Chris Pine, Peter Parker is 26. So it's theoretically speaking about 10 years into the future. It's, it checks out, it makes sense. And you're not going to have any issues with, um, but that
0: also doesn't have to be Tom Holland. You know what I mean. No,
1: it doesn't. It, it doesn't. It, but it be another time. one, but at the same
0: time with the timeline based on how old he is in the current MCU version of Tom Holland, we just saw like the, I guess the possibilities are are there, but at the same time you can have like like you're saying you, at the very beginning you at the podcast you're talking about how you like the possibilities that alternate dimensions provide and this one gives you that option depending on how they want to go with it. If they want to, and like as much as I was kind of uh, giving you a hard time about wanting to make it even partially live action, I guess in theory, there is that possibility if they decide to go in that direction.
1: Right. And it's not like they're going to have spider ham save the day with Avengers and game. It's not going to happen like that, but it still does yeah, offer that, like might, that might be jumping. Depth. The shark. Yeah, no, I, I would, I would not only love John Mulaney and everything, but I'm not okay with that. <laughs> um, It gives you sort of the depth of, you know, we're going to make this standalone We're going to make it separate but equal, but at the same time, we're going to make you understand that this does have the possibility of being in our same universe. And that's fine. That's fine by me. This is, I don't know if this is officially considered part of the MCU, but it still checks out. It still can be considered canon. And that's fine by me. I, I think that if you have a couple of years of these sequels, you know, you don't have the the problem that a lot of young child actors have of aging to the point where, you know, you have to skip a couple of years ahead on screen or you have to, like in the Harry Potter sense, you have somebody who's 22 years old playing a 17-year-old. It, it comes a little bit um, undone for people who try to suspend their disbelief and you don't have that problem in this animated movie. Plus, you have the ability to play with things a little bit more like you know, having five different timelines colliding into one. So I I think that everything makes everything that they did here just makes me more confident in potential sequels, more confident that you have, um, you know, a a survivability of this kind of a franchise um, while at the same time catering to a younger audience that, um, might be able to, to grow up alongside of it a little
0: bit more. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Was was that your, was that your last word? Or did you have any other final thoughts? Cause I think, I think we've about well covered just about everything.
1: Yeah, I I think that um I, I don't have any final thoughts. I think A-plus, seriously, one of the, the greatest movies that I've ever seen, let alone, oh my God. Um, in my opinion, one of the, the best. I, I really liked it that much. And like I said, I like me a good alternate timeline. I like when they play with these things.
0: Yeah, no, I would say I, I feel very confident saying, and I'm— i'm not i'm probably seeing aquaman tomorrow but i don't think it's going to supplant uh it's i don't think it's going to be higher ranked on my year list than spider-man uh and uh i I, i'd I'd still say black panther is my favorite superhero movie of the year but this is uh right there after it for me and i am i i I just think it's quite an accomplishment it 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 really reinvigorates the i don't want to say reinvigorates the spider-man in general because i thought that Homecoming did a pretty good job of doing that, but it just – it really opens up so many more possibilities for where the genre can go with both visually and storytelling-wise to uh, be able to just tell the story of a, just a kid in Brooklyn that that feels so different from just any other superhero movie I've ever seen but still really give you everything you want out of a superhero movie action-wise. Is, is really impressive, so I definitely highly recommend it.
1: Oh, absolutely, and I definitely think that Disney did a good job in protecting their investment as well in terms of Marvel because now you have, you know, you sort of tested it out with this movie the same way that um, that it was tested out that Deadpool could be a rated R movie. Now you have people saying, okay, this this will be able to be accepted by us. You can have an animated Marvel ish movie for characters in a in a similar universe similar vein of character but it's not redoing what we already know but it's accepting what we've already seen so you have now 20 other years of disney movies coming out with a with an animated superhero i that's just my my thought process behind it
0: if 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 they made them 75% as good as this one i'd say that's a good thing yeah all right well before we get out of here maya you normally don't want to plug anything is that still the case i usually get i still that's, give you, i still yeah. give you the option too
1: not only do I not want to plug anything, I'm not going to have social media as of January 1st. So there's nothing to plug.
0: Oh, wow. Well, uh, is that like a New Year's resolution?
1: Uh, yes, and no. I have about four major designations that I need to pass by like the end of June. so I want to cut out all distractions, and I am addicted to social media. So right. well, I gotta get this it's gotta I, I, go. I,
0: I gotta get this uh, episode posted then while I can still tag you and get all your friends' views. <laughs> uh, but but uh, but yeah, well, we're not gonna write you off the grid totally. I think I'm gonna make you come back and join me for Captain Marvel, uh, which I'm sure you I hope you'll do.
1: And I'll do the same thing that I've been doing for every single movie that I've done a podcast on. I actually, like, I'll go all out watching the movie. I wore, like, a Spider-Man T-shirt to this
0: movie that that is Maya's level of dedication and that's why i'm glad she's willing to do these things with me because she knows these these this comic world uh better than i do so i'm 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 looking forward to having you back here for that one and if if not something else uh between now and then but thank you so much for joining me maya as usual people can find me on social media at josh Chernovoy, j-o-s-h-j-u-r-n-o-v-o-i or on letterbox at the same thing just two separate words and uh Everyone, thanks for listening. I'm going to be putting out a lot more podcasts the next two weeks as I try and catch up on all the stuff coming out around Christmas, but I will get it all covered, whether it be uh, Mary Poppins Returns or Vice or Bumblebee or uh, Welcome to Marwin and the Mule, all of them coming out at some point. So please stay tuned for that, and we'll see you on whichever one of those is next.